I am so glad to see everybody at church this morning. Looks like you're having a good time. All right. This has been a great week. I tell you what, we are we're having fun. This morning, uh, you've seen, uh, we're giving you an opportunity to uh, give. And uh, we have a need in our church. Uh, you know, John Taylor has this talent. And I didn't want him to hide the gift and talent that he had in making salsa. And so he had given us some. And I've got this guy that lives with me for the next couple months. And he's my son. And, and his name is Mark, and uh, we kind of race, and I'm not for sure, but I think he's using the sauce as soup and, and eating it. I said, that's off limits. You can't do that. And so uh, last night we were eating, and, and uh, Gwen had been hiding some in behind. And so anyway, long story short, it came out on the table and uh, enjoyed it. But John wanted to give to the church, and uh, I said, you know, we have this uh, need that we have fluorescent lights in our lobby. I think these are hot. You going to turn these off, or Luke? Anyway, thank you, Justin. Yeah, because I tell you right now, if I can get excited about hot sauce, I'm going to get real excited about my message. But, uh, the fluorescent lights, some of you have seen, are flickering, and and uh, then some of them are yellow and not white. Not that they're old, but that's the color they came with, and we didn't have any, so they threw them up. And anyway, it just looks better to to do everything right the first time, and or the second time now that we've been in this church for 20 years. And uh, so what we're doing is we're raising money to change out and put LEDs in all those fluorescent lights. And uh, my, uh, Homer, you don't get that. Lisa, watch him. And uh, we want to redo all the lights, and we've got some guys that are willing to donate labor and putting them all in, and it's going to be about uh, right around, I believe, $1,500. And then when we get all that taken care of and all the lights, then we're going to have John raise for the coffee shop and retail building that we built, you know, and our goal is a million dollars. So if you'd like to just, if you'd like to buy some hot sauce, John isn't going to sleep for the next 10 years in making hot sauce to pay off those things. Before I begin today, we know if you live in the United States right now and all the things that are going on in our world is, is a, a time that you would probably say is not a time of peace. Would everybody agree? But realize that God has put us in this place to be light and darkness. So let's pray right now. Can, can we do that? Do you believe that you can do that? Do you have the authority as a believer in God to speak to the things that are not as if they were and see it by faith come about? Let's pray for peace for our country, especially this week in the next 30 days. Would you join with me today? Father, today I pray that God, that the things that are going on in our country, the country that we love, Father, we pray peace. We pray safety for the people in our country. And Father, we just pray that God, that, 
that those that are in authority, God would be able to walk in your authority, but God, that they would speak life and not death. Father, I pray that today things would change in the, in the realm of the spiritual realm that we cannot see, but God, that is even more real than the things that we do see. Father, before things happen negatively, God, we speak against those and we speak life. Father, we will be life. What you have given us that we will speak out of our mouth, not fear, we won't doubt, we won't be part of the unbelief, but God, that we will speak life into a dark situation. In your name we pray this. In your name we have authority. Amen. Amen. Guys, I, I don't know if this battery's going out or can you do something? Yeah, jump up and down, wave your hands, do something. All right, there we go. If you've ever been in the sound booth and something went wrong, you go, oh no, what do I do? Of all my criticism, one time I was in the sound booth for a kid's crusade of all things. And I had to push all these different buttons for sound effects and stuff and I was pushing that woohoo! you know, in a serious moment. Anyway, it wasn't pretty, so I give all the... I just want to say, I forgive you for what I was thinking about you in the sound booth. Oh, today's going to be a good day. You know, we talked about being free. And I believe that, as Charles Finney, I think, in history said that a man that doesn't know that he's lost, has no desire to be saved or to be found. And so this morning, there's things that have maybe gone in your life in the past, and we're going to be talking about those. And, and it's possible that you come to a place where you, you aren't comfortable, but just, just stay still. And, and through the message, my hope is that God will bring, again, deliverance and freedom in your life. Because as Lisa said, the direction that you're going right now, you might say, you know, I really don't like where I'm at. And this whole series that we're in is titled The Vortex. And it's the kind of the tagline says it all is it's the emotions that try to drag us in, pull us in. Come on, let me control you. These different emotions try to do. We know that the Word of God, really any words can change your thinking. And when the words begin to change your thinking, we believe as believers that the Word of God then has changed our thinking. But when the Word of God changes our thinking, all of a sudden it begins to change those emotions. We aren't emotionally driven anymore or led. That we understand that the emotions are God-given, but at the same time that the things of the Word of God changes the reaction to different emotions. When our emotions change, then our choices change. Today, I believe that when you hear this message, your choices will change. When your choices change, then your habits. When your habits change and you do the same thing over and over, let me say, there's a freedom that comes with that. Because now you're not walked into that. Then your character and then your destiny. Well, gentlemen, I think I've given it all I can. Let's try this microphone. You hear that? Sounds like somebody waving. Wow, wow. Was it the mic? Yes, it was. 
You want to change that over? You did? Good. So all the people at home will say, Hallelujah. The vortex. You know, last week I want to just get you up to speed before we get into today's message. But, you know, when when the uh, Pharisees came and began to criticize Jesus and his followers about not washing their hands and and being ceremonially clean, uh, remember Jesus said, it's because of your traditions that you're really uh, opposing the word of God. And when he said this, listen, he says, don't you see whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? That's in Matthew 15. And again, he said, don't you see that? And they go, yeah, well, we literally see it. But he said this, it starts with our thoughts. For out of the heart, our, our core, out of our heart come evil thoughts. Murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, theft, false testimony, and slander. Those are, these are the things that devile a person. See, if you're ever around a person that says, well, you know, I I say things that I don't mean. Really what they're saying is, I don't say things that I mean out loud. I, I read something the other day that said, I always say what I mean, but I don't always mean to say it out loud. And when you hear that, what that person is saying is there's something down deep in their heart, the core of who they are, that that what is inside is going to come out. And and what we're talking about is our character and and what God has done for us and and the the, the freedom that we should be walking in. Uh, Last week we we took this as an illustration, this clear container of peppermints. And Justin is hiding because I spilled it on him. And, he, and, and, and the thought was that this container doesn't determine what comes out of it. it. It's the shaking that's what's already inside of it. It's the pressure that comes in the turmoil. And you know as well as me that what is inside of this, all it has to do is spill out. And then you see, ah... I, I can see what was inside that container, just like our lives. Solomon said it this way in Proverbs 4.23, and, and I encourage you just real quick to get out your phones and turn off Facebook, but get to your memo pad so you can make some notes or, or writing on a, a whatever you have in front of you or in your purse or because some of these things today that we're going to talk about, you're going to go, wow. And even though that they're on Facebook, and if you want to be a part of our group, Chapel Assembly, please just ask and we'll put you on there. And you can look at all these messages. But at the same time, a lot of times our mind says, I don't have time to go back and watch that whole sermon. But if you have just a few notes in your phone or your iPad or, or written down, you can, again, revisit that and go, oh, yeah. Here's here's what Solomon said, above all else. In other words, here's the smartest man that ever lived other than Jesus. And he comes up with this conclusion, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. What's inside will eventually make its way on the outside. Do, Do you hear me? 
See, what, what's on the inside will eventually <laughs> come on the outside. An emotion that is exhibited is an inward feeling that is acted out by your behavior. I know that some of us pride ourselves in thinking that we can keep the toxins that are lurking within, we can keep them silent, and we can put on a good face, and we can say the right words, and, and nobody will know what's going on. But eventually, I'm telling you, they're going to come out this morning. I'm going to talk about a subject that, again, is kind of like it can hit a nerve in all of us. And it, today's emotion that I want to talk about is guilt. And it is the emotion that involves the, the acknowledgement that we've done something wrong. We're not going to be talking about false guilt where you didn't do something, but you always carry around the guilty. We're talking about you actually have hurt somebody. You've done something that you know that you shouldn't have done, and you've been carrying that emotion. Here's what we do is, you know, um, we, we we commit the sin. We, we broke the law, whatever it is, and, and we have this black thing called guilt that we, we deal with. We, we carry it around. And, and what we all do is if we do not take care of that, if we do not go to God, if, if what happens is we begin to we get pu pushing it down and we, and we try to hide it on the innermost of us so that nobody will know about the guilt. But it seems like every once in a while it just keeps poking itself up again and, and we push it back down. And, and a lot of times what people will do, and, and I'm guilty, as much as you are, is we create a narrative. And, and it goes like this. It really wasn't my fault. You know, it was back when I was younger. I, I, was, I was in my 20s. Okay, okay, I was 29, but I was in my 20s. It was spring break. Everybody was doing it. It, it was, you know, I, my wife, it was her problem, and, and it was her problem. She did it as much. She, she was... And that thing that we carry around, it, and it's something that we, we create the narrative, but what we do is in denying it, we empower it. And, and in a minute, I want to show you how the guilty conscience, the, the guilt in our lives that we keep pushing down in the deeps, inner, innermost of our life, let, let me tell you, it'll cause us to be off balance. It affects everything that we do. Guilt will produce a debt-debtor experience. Think about it. We have terminology about it. When you hurt somebody or say something you shouldn't do or say, and, and what do you do? You say, I owe them an apology. There's something about being in guilt that you have done something, and every time it's an act of theft, you took it from them. That's why when somebody hurts us, there's this thing that we kind of get in our, in our, you know, in our conscience. I want to get them back. I want to pay them back for what they've done to me. It's a debt, debtor relationship. This morning I want to move quickly, but you can see how that will affect you in that debt, debtor relationship. It's an act of theft. 
I'm going to pay them back for what they did. But, but a lot of times, it, it isn't just that we, we carry around uh, a debt. It, we carry around that we're out of balance. Th- this morning, I brought this weight, and, you know, it's only 10 pounds. But if, if I carry it around long enough in, in the same arm, after a while, I began to kind of compensate by leaning that way because of the weight. And, and I carry it around, and it causes me to be all balanced. And what happens with guilt is a lot of times in our parenting, we begin to be off balance because of the guilt. We were permissive in our parenting, or, or maybe we're stricter, in, or just because of the guilt that lies in our life. Sometimes in our marriages, we don't get along with our spouses because of the guilt. It, it, it's caused us to be out of balance. And just because a lot of times we can look around in, in the world that we live in and there's everybody that's limping or everybody that's kind of out of balance and we think, well, it's just natural. I'm telling you, you're not walking in your identity as a child of God, of being free of that. This morning, I want you to understand that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And one of the best ways that he has as a technique is to try to talk you into just carrying that and being out of balance. I I can't witness because I'm not perfect. I can't tell someone about the good news because I've, I've done some bad things in my life. What's amazing, this is such a revelation when when I began to study this. Have you ever ever heard somebody that got rid of the guilt in their life and they said, you know, it felt like a weight has been lifted off of me? Again, it's it's a balance. But that's not all. It... It's a guilt, it goes into anger. And I think that a lot of times a person with an anger attitude, you know, that that exhibits a lot of anger, doesn't even realize that the source of their their fury, you know, their, their anger originates through guilt. Because you did your, you did the wrong, you, you failed. Now, nobody else can line up in your eyes. And what we do is we we take that guilt and we push it down and down and down. But we we try to hide it, but everybody else's failures become so clear to us because of that guilt. It's a constant irritant in our life. Again, let me say that. You didn't live up to your own expectations. Now nobody else can live up to your expectations. If you're here today and that you're going through that, that that's a, a, a recognition brings revelation. And when you get that revelation, you go, oh my goodness, I, I need a change. See, anger, th- this is what I, I read this week, and boy, did it. Anger leaks. And it leaks on those people that are around you. And, and people begin to... to What is wrong with that person? And the person goes, there's nothing wrong with me. Because they pushed that guilt down for so long. Now, this morning, 
I hope you know that the first 10, 15 minutes of this message wasn't to make you feel totally useless and hopeless. But a lot of times when we get to that place of saying, then what do I need to do? To, to stand and face it is why a lot of people will not do it. Because And, and ask yourself, why is that? Here's what my suggestion is, is because there's no recourse in confessing it. Facing it, standing up to it. You cannot go back and undo what you did. You can't do an unspring break. You can't unsay what you said. And so a lot of times we say, well, you know, I'll keep it to myself and we'll just get over it. This morning, I'm telling you, you're fooling yourself. This morning, to start the narrative, it wasn't my fault or, you know, my, my dad was that way, my grandfather was that way. Come on, Adam, the first man was that way. Is it going to solve it? So, so let me give you the third place. You can define, let it define you. It can, you can get to the place where you deny it. But as believers, there's a third place. And that third place, we're going to use as an illustration of the Word of God, the Apostle Paul. Now, this is a guy that had uh, a lot of guilt. We, we think of Apostle Paul, and I mean, wrote the majority of the New Testament. We, we know he was all that. But when we sing a song that I am all that he says that I am, and we, we know that it says that the scales that fell off are on the ground, that, that's out of Acts where the Apostle Paul, you remember, on the Damascus Road that was criticizing and, and really trying to kill Christians, recognized who Jesus was and it changed his life and then those skills came off of his eyes and he started a whole nother direction. He would later be in a community of people, think about this, it's possible that he, he killed their parents or imprisoned their children and now he's in the middle of that community, and the guilt had to be amazing. Not only did he confess it, but he, he put it down in the Word of God. It haunted his dreams of what was going to be the future until he got free of that. Now this morning, I'm, I'm going to read a passage of Scripture, and if you've been in the church, you might just read this as the Bible but I want you to read it as if you were there with the Apostle Paul and all this guilt that he is facing, possibly like you and I, and, and carrying that guilt on a day-to-day -day basis until he comes up with this revelation by the Holy Spirit, inspiring and writing it down for later us to be used in the Bible. Look at Romans chapter 8. This morning, if you've got to that place where you're looking for a third space, that you're not defining it, it's not defining you, 
It's not, you're not empowering it to live over your life. You're not denying it. Here, here's what Paul says. Therefore, there is no condemnation. In other words, there's a third space. It's a new covenant. It's a new day. There is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. See, those that are willing to face the condemning truth, that you're guilty, if you're willing to respond to His Lordship, if you're willing to regain balance in your life, listen to what He says. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you, what? Say it, free. Set you free from the law of sin and death. Now, now think about this before I go on. Some people will grovel in the middle of the guilt. Some people will deny it. But here's what Paul is saying. If you come to grips with realizing that the law can do nothing but condemn and then punish. Do you understand what I'm saying? Here it is that the law, if you think about law, if it's civil law, if it's federal law, if it's the law of marriage or marital law where you did vow, all these different laws, all they do is bring it down to the lowest standard that everybody can live on and say this is a standard and then when we break the standard, the law cannot forgive you. Justice is demanded. So the guilt that's living inside of us, that's why we don't want to take this next step. Is because there is no recourse. I can't go back. I can't do anything different. I'm guilty. So I'll just push it down. And I'll push it down in the innermost. And all these toxins begin to come out. But Paul is writing that you don't have to do that. There's no more condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus because the Spirit, listen, listen, it says, for what the law was powerless to do, in other words, the law can't do it. So what is our only way of... Listen, it says this. What the law was powerless to do, God did. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. Do you understand? There's, there is a place that we go and we say we're guilty. We did it. We, we did it. We shouldn't have done it. And, and I don't want to say anything about it. I want to push it. But if it's divine condemnation because you did things that were not lining up with the Word of God, divine condemnation, if it's self-condemnation, any and all condemnation, the Word of God is saying, there is therefore now no condemnation. At the cross, Jesus took on His own life what we deserved. But listen, he says, bring your guilt to me. What we'll, we both know. Don't deny it. Don't start the stories, the narratives of why you did it and it's okay. But when you get to that place where you bring your guilt to me and we acknowledge it, there's forgiveness. The Bible says when Jesus sees us, he doesn't see that sin in our life. 
that we're forgiven. It says this in verse 3, and so he condemned sin in the flesh. He didn't condemn you. He condemned the sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met. I understand what, what's going on here. Inside of us, there, there's something that goes on that we say, you know what? I, I don't want to carry it, but I'm forced to carry what I did. And Jesus says, if you're a believer, if you come to know me and you put your faith in me, I'm the Lord of your life. I've forgiven you. You're free. The Bible says, whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Now, now this morning, I'm going to give you four implications. If you, if you come to this place where you're acknowledging the guilt and say, God, forgive me. Then four implications that follow that real quick. Write, write these down. Number one, you forfeit the right to condemn yourself because you're not yours to condemn. That's good. If you do not let the emotion of guilt pull you in, we're talking about the vortex. If you do not allow that emotion to pull you in, just like a, a tornado, you know, tries to pull you in and the, the force of the... Oh, if you make God Lord of your life, you forfeit the right to condemn yourself because you are not yours to condemn. You can say to the voice of shame that speaks to you about the guilt, shut up, that's not me. We don't say shut up to people. But we do to the voice of shame. Number two, your guilt will remind you but not define you. Can, now think about this. It, when I say that, that as, as a, it, can you realize that I'm a pastor? I'm a preacher. And to get up here every week and, and preach to people the Word of God, how to live their life, I hope you understand that this is something that I deal with in my life. So if you're here, you're not condemned by me. Number three, let me say something. I just feel like that, that it's not going to define you anymore if you are forgiven by God. But think about this. The lady that's caught in adultery, not only is she guilty, but everybody knows she's guilty right there and right then. Do you remember what Jesus said about that? Those who have been forgiven much does what? Loves much. Have you ever been in a church service like this and during worship somebody has got their hands up and, and they're worshiping and they're crying and because some lyric has brought them back to the guilt and shame of their past and they go, no, that's not me. And, and, and let me tell you, just be, be cautious because sometimes you know that they can be expressive that the it, it word is uh, experiential. You know, they, they might be someone that, you know, is out there. And, and I don't want, but it's a different behavior than someone that is dignified. Realize that that's a picture of freedom. Yeah. 
that we're not going to criticize, that we're not going to judge. Number three, we only have four, so we're almost done. Number three, you forfeit the right to condemn others because that would make you a hypocrite. I don't want to say that again, but I'm good. You forfeit the right to condemn others because that would make you a hypocrite. You forfeit the right to be critical and judgmental about somebody else. Maybe if you find yourself judging other people, maybe there's a large amount of guilt in your life. And let me just encourage you, and it's a warning, that if you won't forgive somebody else, God says, I won't forgive you. So so when we're in this process and you're hearing a message, there's some people here that has experienced this guilt maybe last night. And then there's somebody here that's experienced that year, you know, hundreds of years ago, so to speak, in their life, and they've gotten a little bit over that, and now they're like, you shouldn't be. Can can I tell you, all of us that have been forgiven, we're perfectly positioned to show love to somebody else that is going through this, that we've received forgiveness. Number four. This is one of the hardest ones. You're free to make restitution without expectations and without excuses. Realize when you, when you come to God and you make Him Lord of your life, your marching orders are to forgive others as I've forgiven you, Jesus says. To show love to others. Realize that, that Jesus not only came to seek and to save those that were lost, not not only to die for us, but to show us how to live. And that is walking in love, even in a world that we have a lot of unlovely people to love. Let, Let me wrap up this sermon. When we talk about restitution in a resolution, uh, uh, to resolve this conflict in our lives or with somebody else. Christianity isn't, I know that I hurt you, so I went home and asked for forgiveness and everything's okay. That's not Christianity. Christianity is, I hurt you. I realize that I hurt you. I acknowledge that I hurt you. I ask for forgiveness and I'm forgiven. I come back in the least that I could do. See, God forgave me. The least I could do is ask for forgiveness from you. I need to get that out of the way. The weight of sin might trip me up. I think that a lot of times in this whole thing is... Let me just ask you this way. Is there someone waiting for you to make the first move in this whole 
story of guilt and forgiveness? Is someone waiting? Because here's what I know, that when you go to somebody that has hurt you and ask for forgiveness, this is a whole other series, but let me tell you, in doing that could unlock the vault of their heart that is holding the bitterness that is eating them up. Maybe it's pride that's holding you back. And I think this is true. We fear the consequences of confession more than the consequences of concealment. I think that this morning, if you realize that in coming to Christ and acknowledging the sin, the guilt that's trying to control you, and you can say, it's not my master anymore. I'm not, going to, I'm not going to allow the anger to leak out on somebody else. I, I'm not going to walk in that unbalanced in my life, in parenting, in my marriage, in my work. And acknowledging the guilt and then saying, God, forgive me of that. Can, can we have a confession that we can say out loud? And in a second, I want you to repeat this, but here's what I want you to say. My past will remind me it will not define me. Now, I want you to say it to the volume that your ear can hear you say that. Ready? Let's say it together. My past will remind me it will not define me. Let that sit in for a minute. It'll remind you, but it will not define you. That you're a believer. You've been set free of that guilt that's trying to, to draw you in. Let me control you. Let me take over your life. And you say, no, you're not going to do that. There is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. What the law could not do, God has already done for me. You're all that God says you are. Would you bow your heads? This week, if you choose to, to not get free today, and, and you might be a person that says, Pastor, I, I need to process what I heard before I make a choice. I, I want to ask you, you only have to give up what is causing you to stay back. When you get free of this, the destiny, the direction in your life that you've wanted will begin. Let's pray. Father, today, Father, you know us. You know the ins and outs. Father, you know that the past, but Father, still, you love us. And, and your son came to die for us that our sins would be forgiven. And there's so many times that we do not receive that forgiveness because we're guilty. Father, we choose to not let the enemy continue to speak into our lives that we can't be free, that we can't experience your new day, your new covenant for us. Father, today's a new day. And Father, we receive that. We receive your forgiveness. We forgive those that have done us wrong. Father, let us make the first move, your Holy Spirit, to bring back to our minds all the things 
that, Father, that we can do to, to get that restitution in our life, to, to ask for forgiveness, to, to make that confession. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen. This morning I've asked Lisa, as we sing this song, realize this isn't a transition before we leave the place. This is something that we're going to do as a confession out of our mouth in a, in a melody, in a song. And as you sing these words, you might say, Pastor, I don't really sing. Sing! I sing solos. I sing so low, nobody can hear me. Well, make sure you hear you. Make sure you hear you. And when you sing these songs, you're responding to the message of hope in your life that you can be forgiven of everything in your past. Amen?